of studying God's Word together as we consider the cross. Turn with me, if you have a copy of God's Word, to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. As you're turning there, I want you to know that this may be one of my absolute favorite stories in all of Scripture. As we look at the Passover event together from the Old Testament, the story of God delivering His people from the hand of the Pharaoh. I shared with a group of our men this morning, we were gathering to pray, and I, I, I told them, just, I, I've just got this energy about this morning, I've got kind of a little shake going on in my, my foot, and I'm, I, I said, I am so fired up about preaching today, and one of the men said, and that's different today, how? <laughs> but there's something about this text that just draws me to the foot of the cross. I've taken for a subject Today, the blood made all the difference. We're going to look together today at the judgment of God upon one specific night in the life of the people of Israel living in the land of Egypt. And as we look at it, I want us to begin to draw out some thoughts about what it means for us, where we stand individually, each and every one of us. We're going to read a a larger text of Scripture today, and just let the story begin to wash over us and speak for itself. But beginning in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12, we read these words. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family shall choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and Uh, Bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, the legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over the fire. Do not leave any of it until the morning. Burn whatever is eaten, not eaten, before morning. These are the instructions for eating the meal. Be fully dressed with your sand, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I want you to just make a mental note there. For I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike down the land of Egypt. Verse 14. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. 
This is a law for all time. For seven days the bread you eat must be without yeast, made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, remove any trace of yeast from your homes. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. And let's skip over just a little bit farther in verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat from each of your, for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it in the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the, door, uh, and the sides of the door frames of your houses. And no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frames, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Let's kind of move forward in our thinking. We will come back and read a little bit farther into the text of what happens. But I want you to understand this. God has raised up Moses as a leader. The people of Israel have been in bondage and in slavery in Egypt. And because of that, they cried out to the Lord. They were, were being uh, harshly treated. And the cries of the people reached the ears of the Lord. And the Lord raised up Moses, a leader. Uh, we've read this past week about his birth and about his grace growing years and about his uh, development as a shepherd, which would come in extremely handy in the, the coming days as he would lead the people out into the wilderness. But there began uh, a, a showdown, if you will. God versus the gods. I mean, this is a pay-per-view special. This is one of those where we see in this corner and in this corner, we see all the gods of Egypt stacked up against Jehovah God, the living God, the true God, the one who speaks and reveals himself. And he reveals himself to Moses and he says, Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And then he commences a series of plagues. And I want us to think for a moment about these plagues because what happens, God would go to Pharaoh through Moses and warn him, and Moses would say, let my people go. Pharaoh would say, no, and God would bring a plague. Each one, you need to hear this, targeted at least one, if not many, of the gods of Egypt. In fact, if you do a thorough study, it's fascinating that God, in that statement that I read and told you to make a mental note, he said, I am about to challenge, if you will, I am about to take down the gods of Egypt. The gods of the known world, the powerful gods of this powerful, reigning, suppressing Egypt, the one who's lording over you, I'm going to take down all of their security. And God started with a, a, a plague of blood. We'll kind of walk through these. There was the plague of blood where the Nile was turned to blood. God touched it, and when he did, uh, or Moses touched it with his rod, the Nile turned to blood. And when it did, the, the fish died, and the whole nation began to stink. And the, the picture there is pretty remarkable. I don't know if we've got pictures of these on the screen or not, but as we move through them and think through these plagues, the idea was that all of their sustenance came from the Nile, and they worshipped the Nile. They worshipped gods that oversaw the Nile. And in that worship, God struck that down, and that God was taken away. 
all that they had placed in confidence in the Nile River was gone. And from there, God sent a scourge of frogs. Frogs came from everywhere, every nook, every cranny. They were in your food, in your bed. They were everywhere. And it was a, a, an unbelievable plague as they came into the area. And, and even at this point, Pharaoh hardened his heart and stiffened his neck and said, just give us one more night with the frogs. We can take it. And finally, he would relent and Moses would come back and Moses would say, let my people go. And Pharaoh would not. So from there, there was followed by swarms of, of aggressive gnats. Some have said these might have been like lice. And they came in, and they were everywhere. Again, this attacked one of the major gods of Egypt. And these aggressive swarms of lice just came upon all of the people. And the gnats brought upon the people's sores and just plagued them in horrible ways. And they were supplanted by flies. Flies everywhere. And then the flies came uh, about uh, to an end of that plague by an epidemic that struck down the cattle. And the livestock began to die off all throughout the land. And you can imagine the multiplication of problems as the blood has killed the fish and the land reeks of death. And then we see from there the flies and the gnats and now this livestock epidemic of death. And then from there, the people were struck and tormented with festering boils. We begin to see some separation here where the people of God are not under all of this judgment. They're not facing these. And even up until this point, Pharaoh's magicians would come in and try to mimic the plagues that had happened. They would try to produce frogs or turn water into blood. And they, they uh, produced some semblance of what had happened before. But much like Moses in the earliest days of coming to Pharaoh, when he threw down his rod and it became a snake, they tried to mimic that act and Moses' rod ate their rods. Their trickery was seen. But here his magicians are at home. They're scratching their boils. They're not able to come into the presence of Pharaoh and others. God is systematically taking down Egypt one after another after another. I promise we're going somewhere with this, but you need to get this in your mind. Then there was a hailstorm that came. And if you are, are a member of the community of Egypt, all of your confidence is in Pharaoh and his leadership. And he has subdued these two million Hebrew slaves and made them to, to make bricks and raise up cities that would be storage for Pharaoh. We are a powerful people. And yet all of a sudden the sky that we at times worship is raining down hail on us and destroying all of our crops. And by the way, we have uh, gods that have Everything to do with fertility and productivity and crops. And now our crops are gone. And so what is it that our gods are thinking or doing? Can they really stand up to Jehovah? I mean, the God of these slaves is superseding our Pharaoh. But it gets worse. It goes on from hail to a place of locusts. And a horde of locusts blows in with the wind. And they come up and they devour any and all of the crops that were left over from the hail. Yes, the crops have been beaten down by the hail. But now the locusts come and devour everything else. And when the hail stops and the locusts leave, God strikes at the heart of one of their greatest gods. The god Ra, 
the God of sun, the God that they turned to and worshipped. And we know in all kinds of study of Egyptian um, archaeology and otherwise, there were pyramids that pointed toward the sun. They had sundials. They focused on the sun, and they relished the power of the sun as being so very important. And all of the sudden, everything went dark. Something interesting, the Bible says there that the people of God in Goshen were not affected by the darkness that struck Egypt. All of a sudden, they cry out and they pray. You see, I don't want you to read these just as as stories, but begin to look at the personal side of this. We're crying out and praying, oh, surely Ra can overcome this darkness. And as everything fades to black, they 